I'm Jenny Lewis. And I'm Alexa Adams-Robertson. And you're listening to One Book, One Podcast, the Lexington Public Library's podcast uh, surrounding our One Book, One Lexington 2016 pick, How It Went Down by Kekla Magoon. This is podcast number four, uh, and it's pages, roughly if you're following along at home, pages 241 uh, up to the end, up to the end of the book. So today we're going to talk about uh, the ending and how we felt Kekla wrapped things up, or maybe didn't wrap things up. Uh, what happened to all of our favorite characters and the ones that we disliked? I'm looking at you, Noodle. <laughs> yep. Um, and kind of, kind of sit back and have some meditations on on the book. Um, so this section starts uh, off with Jenica, liking less and less of what she sees of Noodle. Uh, no surprise. Um, but then we quickly transition into Will's chapter. Um, as he's working on the memorial for Tariq, and he has this line as he's painting him. Uh, he says, Tariq can be anyone I want him to be. What did you make of that line, Alexa? I mean, it seems more and more as this book progresses that Tariq is becoming less of an actual person, um, and he's becoming more of a political statement uh, for a lot of the characters. Um, Will especially kind of straddles that line between people, I mean, it's still kind of unclear if Will ever even knew Tariq. Yeah. He was from the area. He was from the neighborhood. They're roughly the same age. They're roughly the same age, but he doesn't really seem to acknowledge that they were friends or right. anything. He, I'm sure he knew him or, and saw him around and everything. Um, but he also says that that is why he does his paintings in gray, black, and white mm-hmm. because he's he's a neutral character. Yeah. He speaks for the neighborhood. Um, and, I mean, and he had waited to do the mural, he says, because um, he assumed that somebody from the Kings would do it. Right. Because the Kings have their own taggers. Um, and then it seemed like nobody was doing one, and so he kind of took that as somebody was waiting for him to do it. I never thought about gangs having their own, like, artist in residence. I know. I know. I, and I mentioned this in the, in uh, one of our last podcasts was I was so uninterested in Will at the beginning mm-hmm. of this novel. And by the end, I was just all about him. I mean, it's so fascinating. Absolutely. Um, and I mean, you can tell just what, how, how much respect he receives for his work and how much pride he takes in it. Absolutely. Um, and that's just something that you don't really, or I don't really associate with graffiti artists. I mean, like you see tags every now and then in Lexington, like on stop signs mm-hmm. or whatever, and you're just like, ugh, graffiti. But I mean, the way that Will does it, um, it's something else entirely. Yeah, it's it's truly art. Mm-hmm. It's truly art the way that he he's able to do it. Um, and then Reverend Sloan, uh, in another chapter suit after, um, he's actually talking to Kimberly, and he's asking her, you know, what are your dreams for your life? And I think her, her biggest goal is to be able to make her own hours mm-hmm. at the salon, which is she can't dream bigger than that. And he has a line where he says, yet again, I am reminded of how my generation has failed to instill in our children what is truly possible. And I thought that, of, that reminded me a little bit of Will, actually. I, mm-hmm. have, I have Will jotted down next to that because um, I think... Will doesn't sometimes see past, um, you know, today and see that there is a way for him. And that's what I think what Steve wanted for him really was wanted him to see. You may have grown up in Underhill, but you can move beyond that. Right. And, And Will has got to, for himself, figure out how he can both move on in his life but still keep Underhill a part of him and 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 it how it's okay to have pride in being from Underhill and yet not being of that place anymore. I think that's why he pushed back against Steve so hard initially is because Steve just pretends that Underhill doesn't exist. Right. Um and Will does not want to do that. He wants to be successful. I mean, you can tell he gets good grades and he he 
hides all of his graffiti mm-hmm. from his mom because he cares. Um, and But he doesn't want to leave it behind in the way that Steve has done. And we don't know where Steve is from, but right. I mean, um, I mean, Underhill is just such a big part of Will's life. I got life. the impression that Steve was from Underhill really? for some reason. Or I some place like Underhill. Yeah. Um, I actually jotted down in my notes, this is possibly incredibly random, but I jotted down... Um, with Will, I wrote down Kendrick Lamar um, <laughs> because I don't know if you um, have seen him his performance at the Grammys. It was I, incredible. I don't I don't know much about him, but I know he often references being from Compton. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also that you know uh, generation of artists who came out of that neighborhood who talk about being like straight out of Compton, and it's taking pride in where you're from. And for a long time, you know, having been grown up in a housing project in an inner city people would look down on that and you would try to hide that and you mm-hmm. want to get past that. And they're actually taking pride in that and, and the person that it molded them to be. Right. So, um, yeah, for some reason I drew that comparison between Will and, and what we're seeing um, in Kendrick Lamar's music. Maybe I was just, uh, I was fooled by Steve. <laughs> it seems he, he buries it so deep I just didn't even consider it was a possibility. I don't, yeah, I don't know where I got that idea from. I, I mean, you, you might be right. I was convinced that, yeah. that Steve is also from Underhill. That would make um, I mean, it would make sense. Or There's, something like, or a neighborhood like Underhill. Sure. I, but I also convinced myself that Underhill is in Atlanta, and I don't know why. I think it's because there's a Peach Street mm. listed somewhere, uh, mentioned somewhere. And so I have convinced myself that Underhill is Atlanta. And I don't it, know that I has assigned it a state. It is not named yeah. in any way, shape, or form. But in my head, it is part of Atlanta. So. Fair enough. There you go. <laughs> um, just, peaches, there you go. Um, he is. He's also a flawed guy, mm-hmm. and she doesn't see the flaws. Um, and it, it makes me so sad for her. She's sort of like Jenica in the last chapter who doesn't see that she's better than Noodle. And Kimberly at this point doesn't see that she she can have someone other than other than Reverend Sloan. She can get out of Underhill by other means. Um, and I know you mentioned her apartment. Right, yeah. I mean, whenever he, he says to her, Kimberly, hasn't anyone ever told you how amazing you are? You can be anything you want to be. And she says, I don't come from that world. Um, nobody's ever told her that she can do that. Right. Um, and then, I mean, she's in the bathroom in Reverend Sloan's hotel room, and she's just fantasizing that he he's going to turn around and say, come with me back to Washington, mm-hmm. D.C., and set her up in this sweet mistress's apartment Mm -hmm. and he'll be so impressed and after a long day's work he'll come to her small well-decorated apartment instead of going home and he'd be so impressed about all the savings she had done on the furniture that she already had and it's just it's heartbreaking it's it's like you can that that isn't what you have to aspire to absolutely you don't have to rely on this man to take you to an apartment you can have that small apartment in washington dc you can go do that yourself um, you're a hairdresser. You can right. do that anywhere. And a good one. Because <laughs> Molly's Mains is supposedly one of the best in the city, and people come from all over to right. get her hair done at that salon. Right. Um, she doesn't trust that her skills alone can get right. her what she wants. Um, yeah, Kimberly's... Um, I feel like there is hope for Kimberly, though, because I felt the same way about Jenica in the mm-hmm. last section. And Jenica... Thank God, finally gets out, and they're at the rally, the rem- the remembrance march for Tariq, mm-hmm. and she dumps Noodle. She just says, we're done. I'm done with you. In public, um, thank in goodness. In public. <laughs> and I'm so excited. In my notes, I actually have, um, she'll dump Noodle, yay, exclamation point. Yep. Um, <laughs> thrilled. So yes, thrilled. thank goodness. Um, yeah, and, and, and Brick, thank goodness. I'm actually glad Brick was there, because Brick has to, like, hold Noodle back. Right. We're in public. Are you an idiot? Yeah. Um, we're so trying was, to look good here. <laughs> exactly. I was absolutely thrilled for her. Right. Um, I 
I thought it was also really sweet the way that she stood up for Tyrell and when he was at the party um, and, and really upset. And I think it was finally, Tyrell was finally how she truly saw who Brick and Noodle were. Mm-hmm. And she says, like, the world they have built is not the world for me. Right. Um, and so that, to me, was really, like, her her moment to rise. Yeah. Poor, poor Tyrell went to that party and he just kind of, I mean, he didn't have Tariq with him anymore walking home. And so he immediately got accosted by Brick mm-hmm. and Sammy and everyone. And then he immediately got roped into coming to this party they had no interest in being at. Almost got into a gang fight on the right. way there, um, which was horrifying for him. Um, and then... And horrifying for, for Jenica, too. She right. pretty upset. Too right. Jenica did not want to be in that car. In the middle of that. Right. And how mad was I at Sammy? I'm like, this is a kid that you used to share a sleeping bag with. I know. And you're willing to just kind of sit back all in the name of looking good in front of Brick and Noodle. Just shoves a joint in his mouth yes. and goes on about his night. And it's like, don't give him that. <laughs> he doesn't need that. He's, he's a horrible... He's, he's, Sammy makes poor decisions continually throughout the book. He really does. That was another one I felt like not standing up for for his friend. Mm -hmm. Um, And then speaking of Tyrell, this is a section where we finally figure out why his dad hates him so much. Um, He walked in on his father having an affair. Um, And, you know, you and I have talked about, too, uh, before we started recording, whether or not that was enough of a reason for Tyrell's dad to dislike him so much. We kind of got the feeling his dad has always disliked him. And I wonder if that's because... Uh, Tyrell is so smart, and maybe his father is challenged or threatened by that. Mm-hmm. That's just my speculation. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's probably a lot to that. Um, I don't, I don't know. And we talked, like you said, we talked about this a little bit before we began recording. I don't know that there's quite enough information about Tyrell's dad right. to really come up with an informed decision about him. Um, he's. He, I mean, he's mentioned, the only mentions we really get from him are from Tyrell himself. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, those are obviously colored by Tyrell's own dislike for his father. I mean, the man has broken his arm before. Mm -hmm. He's he's verbally abusive to him. And Tyrell seems to believe he actively hates him. There's one part in the book when Tyrell just sits in front of the fridge and just kind of rage eats all of his dad's food. Yeah, all of his and all of his lunch food. Um, And he knows that he will be punished for that. Mm -hmm. Um, But he does it anyway because, I mean, he just... Who cares at this point? His mm-hmm. dad already hates him. Um, and yeah, I mean, we don't we don't ever get any of Tyrell's mother's perspective, and we never get anything from Tyrell's dad's perspective. So I mean, we're kind of just left with this incomplete, kind of hazy picture of this this bad guy. Um, he doesn't really have any redeeming features, as far yeah, as I can and tell. This is um, this is jumping ahead to the very end of the book, but since we're in that section, I'll go ahead and bring it up. When Brick comes to Tyrell's house and says, uh, kind of is telling, he basically goes to Tyrell's dad and asks his permission for Tyrell to join the gang. I mean, mm-hmm. he like jumps over Tyrell completely and says, "We want your son for the gang," and his dad is okay with it. Right. He's he's completely cowed almost by Brick, and tells you know. Tyrell, well, it's time for you to step up and be a man. And I I just had to, like, reread that section a couple times to make sure I was reading it correctly. I was like, I can't believe you're going to okay your son joining a gang. He literally just, like, offered him up on a silver plate. Yes. Didn't put up a fight at all. Yes, it was just like, like something like, that would happen in Game of Thrones. I, exactly. Like oh. one of their daughters. Oh, it was horrible. hand them off as a sacrifice. I exactly. Was, it was horrifying. Yeah. Um, yeah, Tyrell's family life is obviously very, very uh, um, difficult and hard mm-hmm. to kind of wrap my head around. Um, and and sp- sticking with Tyrell, in this section, he goes to visit Junior in prison, mm-hmm. um, which was an awesome moment. And Junior has does the thing that I wish Sammy could have done, where he tells him, like, stay straight. Mm-hmm. You be you. 
say no. Um, the Kings only got me in jail. And I was really, really happy that they had that moment. I really liked that whenever, um, I mean, Sammy, or not Sammy, um, Junior kind of realized why mm-hmm. Tyra was there. And he said, look, I have nothing bad to say about the Kings. They protect mm-hmm. me in here. They're going to protect me for their life. But this is what the Kings did to me. Yeah, right. Um, I'm not going to badmouth them because, obviously, I'm fine in here. They're protecting me. Right. But joining the Kings got me in prison. I wouldn't exactly. be here if I hadn't joined up with Sis, Skis, however yes. you're supposed to say um, that guy's name. Um and I mean, yeah, he he really kind of talks because I think Tyrell was really wavering. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he at that point, Tariq's dead. His dad was like, "Whatever, join a gang. I don't care." Um, and so I think that Tyrell absolutely was just moments away from saying, "Forget Whatever. it, forget right. it. I'll be in a gang if that's what it takes. Then and I'll be in a gang." Almost being like noodle and giving up all hope, mm-hmm. which I think would would have happened. And I feel yeah. like Junior gave him that little bit of reason to fight again. Uh huh. So I was really really proud of that. Right. Um, while Tyrell is there um, visiting in jail, um, I think it's at the same time, the police bust in to uh, Tariq's house um, and start going through. They have a search warrant, and they just start going through the house and ransacking it, and they pull out a bag of, of money out of Tariq's room, and they're labeling it. They're, like, literally writing on Sharpie drug money, and we all know that it's the recycling money right. that Tariq has collected with Tyrell. Um, and that's heartbreaking to watch and poor Tina her perception then of the police is Mm -hmm. just shattered and I think that's when we realize that the police in this situation are just gonna double down on their original uh, perception of events and they're gonna say rather than saying you know maybe we decided too hastily that Jack Franklin was um, doing this in self-defense and maybe we we jumped to the the um, decision to believe the witness statements that said Tariq was armed too quickly maybe we need to go back and investigate they instead decide, I guess, just stick with that story, mm-hmm. um, that Tariq was armed, it was self-defense, and so they then have to try to paint uh, Tariq in a bad light. And right. Tina, though, um, smart girl that she is, <laughs> does manage to hide. We learn at this, by this point that Tariq did have a knife. Um, and it was Junior's knife. It was Junior's knife. Right. Um, and Tariq hit it for Junior. Um, and so Tina has managed uh, to hide it and, and put it in a good place so the police don't find it. So mm-hmm. I was... So, so smart of Tina. I know. What a what a moment, because you later find out that not only had she hidden Tariq's knife in her room, she was just standing in there while the police ransacked her room. Which is just horrifying. Looking for it. And there's that part whenever she, she is recounting the police going through her room, where it says, in my room, the policemen move my things. Um, and I pick up this book called Helpful People. Page four says, policemen solve problems and help keep you safe. Policemen are always on your side. I tear out page four and crumple it into a ball. Um, and so, I mean... What a defining moment for a little girl yeah. that you th- you've had this book in your life and Tariq used to read it to her and mm-hmm. do funny voices and you always knew that police were one of the helpful people mm-hmm. and here they are just ransacking your room because they think that your brother is a bad guy yeah. when you know that your brother isn't a bad guy. Right. But she starts to question a little bit because she mm-hmm. feels like people who have knives are bad people and right. well, she doesn't know why Tariq had the knife. Um, and that's hard to watch her fight that battle, too, mm-hmm. um, to, to kind of struggle with why her brother would have that knife. That was hard for me to read. That would be a hard thing for anyone to have to deal with by themselves. And when you consider the fact that it's poor little Tina, mm-hmm. having, and she doesn't tell anyone. Mm-hmm. She just keeps that. To, she finds a knife, cuts her little hand open on it, lies to her grandmother, which mm-hmm. she knows is bad, but she did it to keep Tariq safe, um, and, and then hides the knife from the police. Yeah. I mean, 
I don't know that I could have done that. No, absolutely. <laughs> She's brave. Yeah. She's just beyond brave. Right. Her, her mother, you know, I, I, and her grandmother, I don't think even see that side of her. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm just continually more proud of her as the book uh, goes on. I think everyone underestimates Tina. I agree. Absolutely. I don't think Tariq did. No. And so I think that's the part of the magic of their friend of their relationship. Right. Um, soon after that, uh, there is a, a march. They have a hoodie march to remember Tariq. Um, and, you know, that's where Jenica dumps Noodle. That's also where Kimberly and Jenica, I think, uh, their friendship starts to cement. Mm-hmm. I was really happy for their friendship. <laughs> really wonderful. Um, because I think you put it best uh, when you were talking about what they give to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, um, I mean... Kimberly is just this person who is doing really well for herself. I mean, she's got this great job, and she loves what she does, and she's good at it. And, I mean, people come from all over town to get their hair cut and styled by her. She has her own apartment with a roommate. I mean, she's she's making a life for herself. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't seem to think that that's worth anything, but it, it really is. And Jenica looks at Kimberly and sees just this cool mm-hmm. older girl who's got this awesome apartment with a her career. Ro- a career and a roommate. And so, I mean, it really gives Kimberly, I think, somebody who can show her just how well she's doing, mm-hmm. somebody to mentor, as you said. Um, and it gives Jenica somebody to aspire to. Because yeah, I don't think that Jenica really had any any goals um, before. She was just kind of coasting along mm-hmm. next to next to Noodle. Um, so thank God that's over. <laughs> thank yes. God that she found Kimberly. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah. Um, also at the march are Steve and Will, and they have this beautiful moment where Will's going to go to the march mm-hmm. and... Um, he gets into it with Steve. Steve tries to keep him from going. And finally, um, Steve hears Will saying, this could have been me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Steve then goes into his room and basically says, well, where are the hoodies? Yep. Um, and so they, they go together and... Uh, and Will, Will shows him around. Will shows him around the neighborhood. I loved And takes it. him to the diner where he and his mom used to get milkshakes. Um, and there's this beautiful line. Steve's crying, and Will says, um, I am under his wing and in his heart. Mm-hmm. And I'm so happy for their relationship. I think they're just going to blossom from that point. And Steve has really learned a lot about um, his stepson, and his stepson, has, Will, has learned a lot about Steve. And mm-hmm. I think that they're, they're um, both better off for this. Absolutely. The end of Will's passage in that area on page 286, it says, I won't try to be your father, he told me, the day we moved our things into his house. I was grateful for him saying it from that minute to this one, but I wonder now, maybe that plan can't last. Yeah. And I thought it was just, I don't know. I mean, that's, they had such a lovely story Mm -hmm. arc. Their arc was really great. It was. It helped, um... Steve really understand Will's pride mm-hmm. and where he came from. And I think then Steve is starting to feel maybe be, maybe a little bit of pride in what he has come from and realize that you can be proud of where you come from and, and still uh, move on, as, as we've talked about. In a book full of irrational people making split decisions, it was yeah. just so nice having two yes. people working to understand each other better. Absolutely. It was really... Absolutely. I think refreshing. That, yeah, we really needed it. Um, and, and Steve and Will are just both such good people. And trying to do the, yes. to the to do their best. Speaking of rash, de- rash decisions, we have to talk about Tyrell. <laughs> yes. Who, when he's doing his recycling, he spots oh. um, he spots Jack Franklin in Tom Arlen's house. Mm-hmm. Um, and doesn't Tom Arlen have this interesting line about Tariq 
about Terrell not being friends with kids like Tariq or something like that. Right. I, I gathered that that was because Tyrell mentions when he, he is going to pick up the recycling that he and Tariq used to split mm-hmm. the houses. So I guess Tyrell was the one who always went to Tom Marlin's house. Yeah, and Tom. so Tom thinks so just that Tyrell had, is just this great kid. Yeah, he had Tariq, no idea. He has no idea that they're the very best of friends. Yeah, and which, that while Tyrell was at his house picking up his recycling, Tariq, Tariq was, was picking it up on the other exactly, side of the street. Exactly, Yeah. Um, but he spots Jack Franklin at the house mm-hmm. and kind of sits on the knowledge for a little while, not sure what to do with it. And then um, at the rally, at the, the march they have, he just spills the beans. Mm-hmm. Um, to the worst people he could have spilled the them to. the worst people he could have. I think assuming that they will go and take care of it and instead Brick says, okay, well, we're going to let you be the one to, to – I think they say they're going to stab him. But it is – Eerily like the same situation that got Junior thrown in jail, where they say, "Right, I, you just cut him, and then we're going to beat him up, and Sis beat him to death. Mm-hmm. And so they sort of tell um, Tyrell the same thing. Well, you're just going to cut him, and then we're going to rough him up afterwards, but we're not going to really hurt him. Have a feeling Tyrell's probably under 18. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, I think that's what they're hoping they're going to try. Try doing. that whole juvie argument again. It worked out really well for ju- poor Junior. Yeah. Yeah, so um, then Tyrell sort of feels like he has no way out. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they go to um, Tom Marlin's house, and there's this kind of crescendo moment where they're standing there, and Tyrell's just letting Brick fill in the blanks about Tariq. Um, and he says something like, Jack Franklin killed more than Tariq that day. He killed me, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he sees Tina leaving her house and running down the sidewalk, and he instantly knows Tina's not supposed to be out, um, and and says, I'm going to go get her. And uh, Brick says, no, I'll, I'll go, I'll go. And, mm-hmm. and Terrell's like, no, like I, I will go. She knows me. Um, and when he sees Tina running alone, he has this epiphany, and it helps him see that he did know mm-hmm. Tariq. He does know what kind of guy he was. And he says, if I have to use all the courage in my body today, I want to use it for Tariq, not to avenge him, but to carry him forward. And so he stands up and says no and goes after Tina. Mm-hmm. Um, and Brick has uh, a humanizing moment in there, too. He really does. I mean, that was what I was just hoping and praying for whenever I found out about Brick's little sister and how much he loves her. And, and I mean, he pays all this money to have her in this nice place where Melody can come and hang out with her. And he and Tariq used to play in the park with, with Sheila and Tina. And, I mean, Brick has that moment where he and Tyrell both see Tina, and he says, I'll get her. I mean, he, yeah. he, he knows, too, that she's not supposed to be out, even in this moment of you got a knife and you're about to go cut a guy. Um, and he sees this little girl, and, and he offers to go and get her. Um, and I think that that's when Tyrell really understands that Brick's not such a bad guy. Right. I, I And we've mentioned this um, off podcast that we think that Brick will leave Tyrell alone. I do. I do. There's something in the way that Tyrell has a line about, he tells Brick, you know, you, you tell me to do what Tyrell would do, and I am. Mm-hmm. And it's like Brick, for a split second, he sees it, he gets it. Right. Um, and I think Brick will leave him alone. I think he will, for Tariq. He will, he will do that. Yeah. Um, There's that moment. Um, so it's on page uh, 314 after they both see Tina and Brick is telling him no. And it says, Brick stares at me, his expression a flashing mix of things I can't interpret. I think perhaps I'm seeing the part of him that glanced at Tina and immediately said, I'll get her. The gentle part underneath that brought him and Tariq together. I never saw it before in Brick, no matter what Tariq said about how they used to be friends. So it's kind of like... 
that that was just the signal mm-hmm. to Tyrell that it was it was going to be okay, and yeah. he can say no to Brick. Yeah. And then the the book ends with this really powerful moment of uh, Tyrell and Tina go and bury the knife in the cemetery, and uh, Tyrell says, "We are never as alone as we think." And Tina's talking about her brother and, you know, what he would always say to her. And it was the same thing he would say to Terrell. You just be you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's that, the book, for that part, I feel like really ended on a happy, a positive note, a, a hopeful moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I have secret fantasies that Terrell gets into boarding school for his last two years of high school, goes to science camp, gets two years of boarding school, and then goes off uh, to college and gets out of Underhill and gets away from the Kings. But I do think that the the scars he's endured um, over this period will probably stay with him mm-hmm. uh, for the rest of his life. Yeah, I mean, what you you don't go through something like your best friend getting shot um, and and then attempting to be recruited by a gang um, and come out of it on the other side completely unscathed. I mean, no, and I think the childhood he had also. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, things were going bad for Tyrell on pretty much every side mm-hmm. that they could have been going bad. Because I mean, he can't—he doesn't even get a reprieve from it at home. Tariq mm-hmm. was really the only—the only outlet he had mm-hmm. to to just be unguarded. Absolutely. Um, the book does end very open ended, mm-hmm. and we're not—we don't get a, a clean cut ending or a wrap up for most of the characters, which uh, I think the author did on purpose. Um, we don't know what happens to Jack Franklin. Uh, Sammy does go into the house and decide to take matters into his own hand. Jack's not there, so he ties up Tom Arlen instead and cuts him. Um, and he, there's a line about Jack Franklin kind of ghosting. You know, was he ever even mm-hmm. there? Um, and it does. You do wonder. You know, does he go back to normal life? Does he? Does he end up? Um, do the police end up arresting him later on? Is there another investigation? And we don't know any of those things. It's mm-hmm. all left, like I said, very, very open-ended. Right. I mean, the book is extremely chronological. It's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Like, here are the days that happen after this event. Um, and so there are no time jumps. Mm-hmm. This is exactly what happens in those few days after this event. Um, so, I mean, you're, you're just left kind of with that. I, I think it's a really beautiful moment mm-hmm. of Tyrell and Tina walking out of the, the cemetery together to Vernicia, who's mm-hmm. waiting for them. Um, and I think it was the first time Tina had been to see her brother's grave. I don't believe that she was and ever. she couldn't go into the cemetery yeah. at, the, at the burial. She refused. Right. Redeema um, and Vernicia couldn't get her, her in. Yeah. So, I mean, Tina got that little bit of closure and she and Tyrell got to do that, that good thing mm-hmm. for him. Um, so I, I don't know. I, it really does end completely open-ended, which in a story like this, I think is is good. You don't necessarily want complete closure, right? Um, because it's not necessarily going to be good. Well, it's not realistic. It's I mean, not I realistic. Think we look at you know the stories from real life that mm-hmm. this reminds us of, um, and they're still ongoing. And they're still ongoing. Yeah. And Trayvon Martin and Michael Brown are you know, the two that that came to mind for me and. There's still so much uh, to grapple with in the aftermath, mm-hmm. and the communities affected are still reeling and will be. Um, the, the families are forever shattered and changed. So, yeah, I think that that is realistic of her to leave it open like that. Mm-hmm. Um, all you can do is move forward. I mean, and that's what I think all the characters in this novel do, mm-hmm. is it's just here Here they are trying to go on with their lives one day at a time right. and doing the best they can. right. There were some big questions uh, that were raised throughout the book um, that uh, we kind of want to uh, toss out there. And if you want to go on our Facebook page and uh, 
leave your comments or your thoughts on the book and what you think um, happened to the characters or what you think, what your answers are to the questions. Um, uh, we wondered, you know, was Tariq armed? That was never settled completely. Um, and was he wearing gang colors, um, even if by accident, even if it was just a dust rag that he carried out of the house? And does it really matter at the end of the story? Um, do either of those things mean that he... Uh, I feel fairly certain he didn't have a gun on him. Was he perhaps carrying the knife? We don't know. Um, but does it matter? Mm-hmm. Did you guys hate Noodle as much as we did? Because <laughs> we couldn't stand him. But we're, we're willing to be convinced if somebody had a dissent, dissenting opinion. Um, how does the author bring hope to the story? Um, is there hope for our characters at the end? Um, such a hopeless... Um, start to the book, and yet at mm-hmm. the end there are sh- there are bits of hope for um, for our favorites. Um, and does the story feel authentic to you? Mm-hmm. Um, and who were your favorite characters? Who did you like? Who did you want to see more of? Who did you hope to see uh, more of a resolution for? Um, and who did you just want to slink off into the sunset, never to be heard from again? I'm looking at you, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, um, before we end our final One Book One podcast, I loved the moment when Jenica and Kimberly were making their dinner plans, and Jenica started to say that she wanted sausage and pepperoni on her mm-hmm. pizza because that's what Noodle wanted, and then she said she gets to choose. Yep. Pepperoni and mushroom. Yep. And for my two favorite characters, yep. Jenica and Kimberly, I thought that was such yep. a lovely way I to love see that. them it's off. Them watching like some Real Housewives and eating pizza. That's that's my ideal world. Yeah. Um, I mean, Tyrell, I I completely agree with you on your hopes and dreams for Tyrell. Bless his heart. Um, and I want Kimberly and Jenica to just become best friends, hanging out, watching reality TV, eating pizza. Absolutely. That's what I want. Absolutely. <laughs> I would read that sequel. <laughs> For those of you who stuck with us for all four podcasts, we thank you so much for listening. Um, Again, there's more information on our website, www.lexpublib.org backslash one book. We've got all kinds of information on there about events going on at the library in the month of April. um, And also uh, discussion questions are posted there. If you read this as part of a book club or you want to read this as part of a book club, um, there are discussion questions posted that you can use uh, as well as these podcasts. So thank you all for tuning in. Let's do it again sometime. Thanks, Alexa. Thanks, Jenny.